from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Moments like seeing my son's team cheer him on mean a lot to me. But after being diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer or MBC, which is breast cancer that is spread to other parts of the body, they mean even more. I take Ibrance, Palbociclib. Ibrance 125 milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for adults with HR positive HER2 negative NBC as the first hormonal based therapy. Ask your doctor about Ibrance and visit Ibrance.com. Ibrance may cause low white blood cell counts that may lead to serious infections. Ibrance may cause severe inflammation of the lungs. Both of these can lead to death. Tell your doctor right away if you have new or worsening symptoms, including trouble breathing, shortness of breath, cough, or chest pain. Before taking Ibrance, tell your doctor if you have fever, chills, or other signs of infection, liver or kidney problems, are or plan to become pregnant, or are breastfeeding. Common side effects include low red blood cell and low platelet counts, infections, tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash, and loss of appetite. Who gets it? It's really hard to talk about who qualifies for reparations. I think genealogy, like who came from slaves, whose great-great-parents were slaves, you have to find a way to prove that. So no matter what, if you're a person of color in this country, you face oppression in some type of way, and America needs to repent for it. Every black person has been harmed by the system because at the end of the day, no matter where you go in the world, black people is the one who's mainly dominated how those countries run because you know even in America you're talking at least 40% of America's wealth comes out of black people and a lot of black people don't even realize that well you have to do the history because we don't know who ancestors you gotta go back and look with the ancestors like I said who family been enslaved I'm Erica Alexander and I'm Whitney Dow welcome to reparations the big payback a production of color farm media iHeartRadio, and the Black Effect Podcast Network. Erica, I want to ask you a question. Okay. I was about to say, shoot, but yeah, okay. Ask away. It's just like the most basic question. Say you, Erica, persuade people that reparations are something that America can do and should do. Who gets them? Well, I'm rooting for everybody black. I gets them. That's all I know. But how about this? Let's ask Killer Mike. Who gets it? I think the people who get it are the people who are the descendants of the people who came in 1619, right? That means, to be very plainly, if the Obama daughters were getting some type of reparations, it would be because of their mother's lineage, not because of their father. 
that simple. Does not mean that I don't love all black people. Doesn't mean that the diaspora isn't old. You know, I think Portugal owes the Dominican Republic. France owes Haiti. I think we should all be fighting a worldwide fight for reparations. But in terms of America, everybody whose descendant was brought off those boats at the port in Savannah, Charleston, South Carolina, and beyond, whether it's Louisiana and Florida, deserves, absolutely deserves it. And it ain't hard to find out who you are. And I always encourage Black folk to fill out the census. I'm able to look at the census from the late 1800s and see exactly who my great-grandparents belong to. So I think that that's an important thing because that will be part of the way you prove your ancestry, right? So for me, everybody who is an ancestor of the people that were brought here from 1619 until the abolishment of the transatlantic slave trade should be eligible for reparations in this country. Boom. Well, I guess that settles it. Not so fast, Erica. Mark Morial, you know, I don't think he's exactly down with that. He used to be mayor of New Orleans, so you know that he's seen a few things. But Mark says that colonial powers collectively owe a debt to enslaved descendants in the Western Hemisphere. I heard some people suggest, and I disagree with it completely, that people of Caribbean descent in the United States did not deserve to enjoy reparations. If there are some, I said, hey, what you're missing is, is that slavery in the Western Hemisphere didn't start in Jamestown in 1619. Slavery in the Western Hemisphere started in the 1500s in South America and the Caribbean. Huge slave port, Cartagena, Colombia, was the main slave port in the Caribbean. Uh, There was slavery raging in the Caribbean and in parts of South American places like what is now Panama and Cuba and Haiti, even before 1619. So most Americans of Caribbean descent are descended from a slave system which was created by colonial powers. And I think one of the interesting things about reparations is do former colonial powers owe a participation in reparations? France, Spain, the United Kingdom, the Netherlands, Portugal, who fundamentally created, nurtured, and sustained the system of slavery before the United States was founded in 1776. And that's a discussion we haven't had, but I think it's a legitimate discussion because It didn't start in 1776. It started when the British, the French, and the Spanish had colonies and the Portuguese owned boats. There's a long, long story. So in this context of discussing racial justice, reparations, equity, in the current sense, we also have to go back and understand the origins. The Western (laughs) Hemisphere? Now, can you imagine coordinating reparations payments with all those countries? I know what Aretha would say. Ain't no way. Nice harmony, Erica. (laughs) Thanks. Well, that's the rub, isn't it? Like, America's full of African Americans, but not all of them are descendant of enslaved Americans. So? Well, one case to be made is that the descendants of slaves suffered things such as bondage, torture, family separation forced labor, Jim Crow, and of course, 400 years of oppression that, say, recent immigrants from Haiti, Jamaica, Africa, Latin America didn't suffer. Mm -hmm. So? Believe me, Eric, I appreciate your, what would you call it, your Socratic method here, but- No, seriously, I'm saying, so, wouldn't you say that America remains a two-tiered society, one with one kind of justice, one set of rules for white people, and another for black people? wherever they come from. Yeah, of course I agree with that. But it seems also that this whole series, we've really been talking about slavery and its after effects. And I'm talking about that. But those after effects, 
affect more people than a strict definition would take in. Say, Kevin Durant and Giannis Antetokounmpo. Ooh, you like how I said that? Yeah, say they're driving in a nice car in a white neighborhood at night in Georgia. Wait, you know Giannis Antetokounmpo? Whitney, he's a four-time all-star. But they're both in the car, okay? Who's in danger? Only Durant? You think racist cops or systematically racist justice system are going to split that hair? Step out of the car, in words. Oh, no, wait, not you, Mr. Antetokounmpo. We know you're not an actual descendant of slaves. Yeah, I get it, I get it. But isn't there a larger social justice problem? Isn't that beyond the scope of what reparations really can or should do? Yeah, I'm just making the point, and and I don't even know if I agree with it 100%, (laughs) that reparations is or should be about more than bloodlines. Of course, American black slavery was a unique crime in history. And of course, that suffering and societal disempowerment got passed down and in many ways reinforced through the generations. But another thing that got passed down for everybody was a Jim Crow society that persists to this day where all black people in America suffer from unequal education, unequal opportunity, unequal access to health, to capital formation, to simple justice. Will reparations really change that? You know, I'm seeing reparations. This specific remedy of reparations is a practical way to help right a wrong, to lift people up who are kept down, to put money in people's hands. No doubt, and I'm with you on that. I'm all for putting money in black people's hands. (laughs) But who? And how many people, right? I mean, to your point, there's a racial wealth gap that has persisted in this country for decades. And according to a 2019 study, the average white wealth is seven times that of average black wealth. Seven times. And that gap, it hasn't narrowed since 1962. Yeah, well, that's right. But I'm, I'm, I'm just saying that maybe the who of reparations has a larger dimension or a moral one or even a teaching dimension not just a practical one. Maybe it's a way of recognizing that in an unequal society, all black Americans need an apology. All black Americans need a reset of the scales and all black Americans need, as Dr. King said, a check. So it's not the Eidos point of view, right? Well, I really don't want to get into that, at least under that rubric. But let's take a better look at your suggestion that reparations only be given to descendants of slaves in America. How do you even do that? How do you parse out who's a slave descendant and who's not? Well, you know, economist William Darity says in his recent book, From Here to Equality, that reparations should go to people who have, and I quote, a consistent pattern of identification as a black American. Mm-hmm. And he said a lot more than that. Yes, he did. Now, I'm not into the degrees of blackness or the fractions thing myself. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But what's central to the criteria that we offer in From Here to Equality is whether or not an individual has an ancestral connection to persons who were supposed to have received the 40 acres in restitution for the years of bondage. So essentially, we argue that the folks who should receive reparations, the folks for whom reparations always has been intended, are the black Americans who are descendants of persons enslaved in the United States. That's the community that bears the weight of the intergenerational effects of slavery, 100 years of Jim Crow, 
and uh, ongoing atrocities like mass incarceration, police executions of unarmed blacks, and ongoing discrimination in credit, housing, and uh, employment. You know, the reparations should have been given to the ancestors of the living descendants. The failure to do so triggered a chain of events that crippled the lives of those who are living today. And if we want to remove that burden, that's the community that should receive reparations. Sorry, Stacey Dash, no cookies for you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to get into that one. She crossed the line. (laughs) But, you know, he says you could use census records, birth records, death records, DNA, even, um, I think, 23andMe. Yeah, because record keeping has always been so good for black folks in America. True, true. But those things will certainly be a good place to start. I know another place to start. Yvette Carnell, co-founder of Eidos, American Descendants of Slaves. She's been very specific about the who of reparations. She certainly has. And, you know, Killer Mike suggested that we should talk to her. And I bet she's got a lot to say. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Moments like my daughter telling me a new joke mean a lot to me. But after being diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer, or MBC, which is breast cancer that is spread to other parts of the body, they mean even more. I take Ibrance, Palpocyclib. Ibrance 125 milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for adults with HR positive HER2 negative NBC as the first hormonal based therapy. Ask your doctor about Ibrance and visit Ibrance.com. Ibrance may cause low white blood cell counts that may lead to serious infections. Ibrance may cause severe inflammation of the lungs. Both of these can lead to death. Tell your doctor right away if you have new or worsening symptoms, including trouble breathing, shortness of breath, cough, or chest pain. Before taking Ibrance, tell your doctor if you have fever, chills, or other signs of infection, liver or kidney problems, are or plan to become pregnant, or are breastfeeding. Common side effects include low red blood cell and low platelet counts, infections, tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash, and loss of appetite. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Name me one other group that has been oppressed. 
from slavery and then has had the entire government, local and federal, mechanized against them, right? And the citizenry of the United States, like the citizens from the KKK, that's citizens, mechanized against us. That's internal torture. That's internal terrorism. No other group can claim that. Now, some other groups can claim during this period, we got discriminated against. During this period, some of our people got hung or lynched. But you do not have a history that stretches from 1619 to 2021. You don't have that. And so I think people look at that and say, listen, this is 400 years that we've oppressed this group. We don't got that kind of money. So we got to kind of paint ADOS out as some kind of ragtag, controversial, radical group because we're never going to try to pay them. And so I think what you see is just powerful people who have decided that they've built their lives and they've built America on injustice and it's going to keep being that way. And the way to keep being that way is to just smear ADOS and say we are controversial as opposed to just saying, listen, okay, you're right. Reparations needs to happen and it needs to go to a specific group. Let's talk about how we do that. American culture sits on top of ADOS culture. That's just a fact. It's about our inventions. It's about our music. It's about everything that you do. America, you don't really have a culture outside of us. The people you can't, you brought here and enslaved, you have no culture outside of that. So that makes us specific. You know, our culture is not Haitian culture. Our culture and our contribution is not Ghanaian. It's not South American. It's not Kenyan. It doesn't mean I have anything against them or anybody else. We're just different. We're just different groups. It doesn't mean better or worse. That's what people mix up. I'm not saying I'm superior to you. What I'm saying is that we're different. And in terms of America, the descendants of chattel slavery have made a different and a heavier contribution to America than anybody else. And we did it unwillingly and we got abused because of it. And we have a specific cost. Now, when you have a specific cost, that means a specific payment. It comes only to me. It comes only to you, Erica. That's what it means. You have to have that. And you, listen, like I tell everybody, if the Haitians get reparations from the French, I'm going to be the first one to pop a bottle of champagne in the street and celebrate. You deserve it. I'm not going to say I deserve it. I don't. My people don't come from Toussaint's people. It don't. I don't deserve that. I should celebrate it. And I will celebrate it because I disagree. I oppose oppression anywhere, everywhere. So I will absolutely salute you, dance in the street with you, everything. But I don't deserve that because my people didn't fight for that. But everything that happened in this country, my people fought for and deserved. And we have a specific debt that is owed to us. That shouldn't be controversial. So to be clear, how, outside of everything that others might define you, how did you find yourself and what is ADOS? Well, we defined ourselves as American descendants of slavery, right? Slavery as an institution. Slavery was institution in this country. It wasn't just something that happened. It was the government weaponized against us and said, these people are lesser than. These people are slaves. They're designed to be slaves. And out of that, we created something beautiful. So that's how I define myself. I define myself by my ancestors and what they fought through and what they encountered and the fact that I'm still here. That's why the fight still happens. Because I think we have to be freedom fighters in this space. That's what our people were. And that's what we owe to them. There's a certain debt that is owed to the ancestors in terms of, yeah, you got to fight because we fought. We fought and died. You got to fight too. You got to keep this fight going. So that's how I define ADOS in terms of who we are politically and otherwise. My people have been here 400 years contributing to this country and not getting the wealth of this country, not getting the milk and honey of this country. Like Martin Luther King said, you know, it's one thing to be poor. 
It's another thing to be poor in a country of wealth. So we are in a country that we built. We built all this wealth for this country. America would not be a country without ADOS. And we're still a bottom cast in this country. That's different. I'm not the same as somebody else. I'm not the same as any other person because of melanin. Melanin doesn't make us the same. And so I think that's the point where people say, oh my God, event and ADOS are being divisive. But melanin is a trait, it's a biological trait. It doesn't mean we're the same in terms of our contributions to America. And it doesn't mean that you should get reparations the same as me. Yvette, can I ask a question just on sort of like how you think, we talk about specificity, how you think about the mechanics of things. Because I'm guessing you would also agree that whether or not you're Eidos, if you have black skin in this country, you still suffer from the legacy of slavery. That even if you're a second generation Caribbean immigrant, that you still suffer from the structures that were put in place that are sort of built around white supremacy. Would you agree on that front? Yes, absolutely. Right, because America's two-tiered. They don't ask who you are. They just, you know, see you black, but go ahead. So the question I have is that if there's reparations, do you believe that black Americans who have suffered under the legacy of slavery also deserve some sort of compensation or some sort of a structure that allows them to play an even on an even playing field with white Americans? And should that be part of reparations? Do you imagine that it's a separate bill or mechanism? Or how do you deal with that other group of, of Americans who continue to suffer under the legacy of slavery, but are not not necessarily Edo's descendants? Well, let me just point out one thing first before I deal with what you just said, the meat of what you just said. American descendants of slavery came here in slave ships. Every other group came here either on foot or on a plane. You came here voluntary. Voluntary versus involuntary has consequences in terms of reparations. Now, you do not get reparations because you came here voluntarily. You decided to come here because you will have a better life. That was your choice. You don't get reparations for that. What I will say is this, we have a black agenda. So you don't get reparations, no. But you do get to access this black agenda that we have. The black agenda is anti-discriminatory. So it deals with the lived experience of what we deal with in terms of racism and discrimination. There's a lived experience of racism. That's what a lot of black immigrants deal with, right? Or children of black immigrants. What ADOS deals with is not only the lived experience, but the inherited experience in terms of the lack of wealth. So you would not have access to reparations as a Caribbean person who came here voluntarily, but you would have access to our Black agenda in terms of our anti-racism, anti-Black policies. Those things are part of our Black agenda. We have an ADOS agenda, which is reparations, and a Black agenda. What Black immigrants deal with is discrimination. And we have things in our Black agenda that mitigate that. What we're saying is that, listen, as a Black immigrant, you absolutely are able to access our transformative Black agenda. The only thing that you don't access is reparations. Because reparations is a delineation between who came here in slave ships and who came here on a plane or on foot. That's it. So you can access this because you have a lived experience of discrimination. And we want to help you take care of that. But there's another thing in terms of inheritance. ADOS should have far more in terms of our wealth. Our wealth has been stolen. We're a plundered group from slavery, Jim Crow, and then on. We're taking care of that. That is what reparations is for. That is specifically for ADOS. That is an inheritance that we have been robbed of. So the inheritance that we have been robbed of, we're taking care of specifically of ADOS. Now, you have a specific experience, a lived experience of discrimination. We're going to try to deal with that, my Black immigrant ally, in terms of our Black agenda. But there are two different aspects of what we're doing. 
How do you think reparations should be done? Well, reparations for us is very different because no other group in the world has come from slavery and been multi-generationally oppressed. No group can say that. No group can say that, listen, we were slaves and then the country decided to weaponize itself against us, local and federal. So no, there is no framework. There is no blueprint. Now, what I will say is that I do appreciate Holocaust reparations in the sense that they understand that there are people who stand in the shoes. So there are people who stand in the shoes of Holocaust survivors, just like in America, we have people who stand in the shoes of slaves. So that is us. So the framework would be to begin a repayment of the wealth plundering, right? That's part of what we have to do. You have to do a repayment. There has to be a check, but there has to be a check for several generations. Because one thing I always say is that it takes much more time to repair a wound than it takes to inflict a wound. If I take a knife right now and slash you, it's going to take much more time for that wound to heal than it took for me to hurt you. So that's the same thing in terms of what we have to deal with, right? Slavery happened, Jim Crow happened, reconstruction happened, mass incarceration happened, but it's going to take a lot more time than 400 years to fix what you did to us in 400 years. A reparations is just the beginning of the fix. And I think that's why America doesn't want to do the fix because they know what they did to us and they know how long it's going to take to fix that. And they don't want to make that an American program. But that's what's got to happen. So when you're talking about the Germans, just so we're, we get what you were talking about, what did they do specifically that you said you feel at least addressed in a way that you think was direct? In terms of the payments around the world, not just Germany, in terms of the payments to Holocaust survivors, they've said that, it's, listen, it's not just Holocaust survivors, it's the heirs. It's the people who are considered to be standing in the shoes of those people who still bear the cost. And I think they captured that perfectly because there are people who are still standing in the shoes of Holocaust survivors who still bear the cost of that in that very same way. In America, we have American descendants of slavery who are still bearing the cost because you have to understand what's happened in America. Let's just really break it down. The weaponization of America and American citizens against ADOS has been very intentional. It's not just because some people are racist. That's not what happened. We've had race, the creation of race, which is really a construction. It's not real. Melanin doesn't make you a race of people. What's happened is that America said that this race is going to be on the bottom and they're going to eat the failure of America. And they're going to be America's garbage disposal. So we're going to put, we're not only going to just put you in jail so you can work for free and be new slaves. We're also going to put plants in your neighborhood that puff out chemicals that kill you. We're also going to have you be the ones that drink lead water. When the country needs jobs, we're going to just build prisons and have people work in prisons and have construction companies build industrial prison complexes. So we're going to use you to feed the rest of the country. You are going to not only eat the failure, but you're going to provide prosperity to the rest of the country. And that has been very intentional from slavery all the way till now. And there's a cost that comes with that, but that's a very specific cost to us that nobody else bears. How do you pay it? Say everything sort of lines up the way you want. And frankly, if you say, pump your brakes, let's wait, it may be past your lifetime or my lifetime that we will see anything that's close to what you're talking about. But who and what type of process is it going to be? It has to be multifold and multifaceted. And I don't think anybody's ever talked about that. I've never seen anybody talk about it. So it has to be a redistribution of wealth because wealth was stolen. Wealth has to be repaid. That's number one. The second thing is you have to have protections in place. What happened to us during the Great Recession? 
was that people were able to come down in our communities and take away from us, to plunder our group. That's always happened. You have to have some protections in place for people who have recently received reparation. Now, this is just the beginning, like I said before, this is not the end, but you have to have protections in place because capitalism can be predatory. And one of the things that we have seen is the only capital that we've had access to has been predatory capital. You have to have protections in place saying that you cannot target this group with subprime anything. You cannot target this group with scams. We have to be a protected class. You can protect a spotted owl, but you can't protect ADOS. You absolutely can. And there have to be consequences for that. The other thing that has to happen too, we talk about plugs and outlets. So a lot of ADOS come out of school and we're the plug and we don't have an outlet. That's one thing Antonio Moore has talked about. We have a plug and we don't have an outlet. There have to be places that are set aside for us to build wealth, right? People can say, now listen, ADOS, we know y'all got reparations, y'all want to own land, but guess what? We don't want to sell to you. And so you don't have none. There has to be something in place that says we get a preference in terms of how we go about becoming the ownership class. There have to be plugs. So there have to be mechanisms and incentives for people to kind of bring ADOS into what we have been locked out of. We've been locked out of wealth in this country and there has to be some kind of incentives to bring us back into that. There have to be protections to say, listen, I'm a fan of quotas in terms of ADOS. You have to sell this much land. You have to have this many ADOS students. You have to have these many ADOS who are in this part of tech. You have to do that. All of that is a part of what we're doing. It's not just a check because if you make it just a check, we become consumers and we try to buy stuff and everybody says no. And eventually what happens is that people say, you know what? I've tried to buy everything. I've tried to become everything. There are no protections. Capitalists are still weaponizing themselves against me. I'm just going to take this money and buy a Lamborghini because I want to do something with the money. The money has to move and we have to have places to plug into when we have that money, there have to be protections and places for us to plug that money into to create our own ownership class. I want to know, again, because I've got to go back to this because this is where sometimes the rubber meets the road. How do you figure out the who? Why me? Why you? Why not Nicki Minaj, whose people are from the Caribbean or Drake from Canada? How do you figure out who? If we get what you want, how do we figure that out? Do you have one parent who comes from American chattel slavery? And I'm, I'm going to tell you how to best figure that out. If you have a parent who's a sharecropper, like people say, oh my God, it's really hard to do. We can't figure that out. It's going to be really hard. No, it's not. Before the Immigration Act of 1965, the overwhelming majority of us, right? It was mostly black and white. I'm not saying all, but disproportionately, that's what it was. So if you have a grandfather, a great grandparent who was a sharecropper or whatever, you come from slaves. That's just what it is. It's not hard to figure out. We have records. But if you're a black immigrant or if you come from black immigrants, no, you don't get reparations. This is a specific justice claim. It's sacred. And see, the thing is, we don't have any problem understanding that when we talk about Native Americans. We understand that when we talk about Native Americans and what they get, they get a specific set aside. We don't have any problem talking about that. When we talk about Holocaust survivors and their children, we don't have any problem talking about how that's a specific set aside. The same thing happens here. We're a specific group with a specific justice claim. Now. In terms of the people that you talk about who come from the Caribbean and black immigrants and their children, because we have children of black immigrants who are not black immigrants, they're black Americans. What we have for them are protections in a black agenda because they have a lived experience of discrimination. They don't have the inheritance, the plunder, 
They don't have ancestors who came in slave ships, but they have an experience in this country which is racialized. So the black agenda helps protect them as well as us against this racialized kind of discrimination. So that is there for them. The reparations piece though, is just for us. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Moments like seeing my son's team cheer him on mean a lot to me. But after being diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer, or MBC, which is breast cancer that has spread to other parts of the body, they mean even more. I take Ibrance, palbociclib. Ibrance 125 milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for adults with HR positive HER2 negative NBC as the first hormonal based therapy. Ask your doctor about Ibrance and visit Ibrance.com. Ibrance may cause low white blood cell counts that may lead to serious infections. Ibrance may cause severe inflammation of the lungs. Both of these can lead to death. Tell your doctor right away if you have new or worsening symptoms, including trouble breathing, shortness of breath, cough, or chest pain. Before taking Ibrance, tell your doctor if you have fever, chills, or other signs of infection, liver or kidney problems, are or plan to become pregnant, or are breastfeeding. Common side effects include low red blood cell and low platelet counts, infections, tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash, and loss of appetite. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. A lived experience of discrimination, not the inheritance. Interesting duality. Our lives are all about opposites, Erica. I mean, look at you and me doing this. Talk about a lived experience. Yeah. Well, what? What? Well, quick, Whitney, change the subject. Erica, did you know in preparing to introduce his reparations bill in the Senate, Cory Booker, for instance, he discovered his family came from Sierra Leone? Oh, well, that explains the red beans and rice. I don't even know what that means, but there's also the process of elimination. Process of elimination? Well, it's this theory that it might be easier and faster to determine which black Americans are not descendants of slaves. Oh, okay. <laughs> this sounds like it could get... Pretty divisive. Okay. How do you do that then? Well, you start with this. There are very few, quote, voluntary black immigrants, if you know what I'm saying, you know, with the exception of students in the United States, prior to the Immigration and Nationality Act of 1965. Hey, check out the big brain on Whitney. Mind if I have a bite of your tasty burger? 
I'm just getting started on this. So here we go. So what you do is you comb through immigration records from then to now. Oh, yeah. Okay, no, I, I see where this is going. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> and you see who wouldn't be eligible for reparations targeted only to American slave descendants. Like Kamala Harris, like Barack Obama. Yeah, like I'm not going to be the one to say, but yeah, like that. Like you could remove one set. <laughs> okay. Now, what you just did say, you know, but when I put a name to it, you're back off. All right. Well, leaving the people who do get the checks is the point, right? And that's interesting. Well, we talked to Mary Frances Berry. She's a historian. She's a lawyer. She's an activist. She's a former chair of the United States Commission on Civil Rights. Let's see what she says. If you are going to have reparations for everybody, then one, you're not talking about the wealth gap and the disparities and getting rid of it. And I have no problem with everybody getting something. What I do have a problem with is not directing targeted funds toward black people who are slave descendants, who we know that right here in the United States were the ones to suffer and to be used to prop up capitalism all these years. So anybody who was a slave here in the United States and is a descendant of a slave here in the United States ought to get reparations Other people can argue for their own. What I'm talking about is what do we do about the descendants of slaves here? People should demand uh, reparations from the ones who profited from their labor. It's so interesting, Erica, to see that there are more sides to this than just whether you're a descendant of American slaves or not. No, it's true. And we don't talk a lot about class in America, but while there are huge disparities in average income and in average family generational wealth, the fact is that there are poor black people, middle class black people, and there's rich ones. I'm not one of them. I'm working on it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, so are you saying, does Oprah get a check? Does Kanye? I don't know much, but I do know this. Kanye has got a check tonight. Oh, Kanye's good. Trust and believe. So where do we say the cutoff is? Is individual income, let's say, over 80000 a year, family income over 160000 like for the stimulus? Is it like you do it that way? Well, it just occurred to me that to get some folks behind reparations, we should call it STEMI 2.0. <laughs> okay, agreed. <laughs> you know? But, yeah, I like that. Yo, STEMI 2.0, let's get it. Yeah, I like that. Okay, but back to the money here. Yeah. Well, money, what if, if, while we're at it, what if a a smart, financially nuanced reparations policy could address disparities of economic justice and capital formation in the Black community? What if the who questions could be addressed in a smart way by the how? So how are you going to do this? Uh, Here's what I mean. And let me see if I can tie some of this together as we go. We've been talking about or thinking of reparations as a system of direct payments to descendants of slaves, right? Prove your ancestry. Don't be Kanye. Get a check. What if that's too simple a model? What if we looked at, uh, yeah, separate payments? For separate classes of damages? Yeah, exactly. So like small business loans to support Black-owned businesses to combat traditional bank redlining in Black neighborhoods, things like that? Yeah, right. Or a program of home loans to combat the uh, long-time patterns of discrimination and segregation in housing. What about targeted aids to schools in black neighborhoods. Uh, don't forget the schools. No, what do you mean? You know, America hates its children. You know, nobody ever votes for schools. 
<laughs> true, true. But let's get back to your larger point. You're saying that by tailoring the how of reparations, you can finesse the who. Is that what you're saying? Yes, yes. And by doing what I'm proposing, you send a check to the descendants of slaves on 161st Street. You give a small business loan to her next door neighbor, the Jamaican dry cleaner, and uh, both of them qualify for anti-gentrification tax abatements to stay in their homes and keep their neighborhood intact. Woo! Oh, so I see what you're saying. You give them housing revitalization grants to keep their homes up to market value, and then you give both their kids student loan forgiveness so they can pursue graduate degrees. Right, right. And support the HBCUs they go to. Then give those kids down payment grants so they can purchase first homes. And in all of these things, the who and the how interact. All of them could be part of a targeted reparations package. I'm very impressed, Erica. But I have one question for you. Is you still have no love for Kanye? <laughs> yeah. I got nothing but love for Kanye. You hear me? Go, Kanye. But what if there was a way to see if you qualify for reparations? Ever wondered if you qualify for reparations as an American descendant of slaves? Let's see if these all-stars do. Daniel Kaluuya. Killer Mike. Muhammad Ali. Buster Rhymes. Shirley Chisholm. Lenny Kravitz. Michelle Obama. Barack Obama. Colin Powell, Will Smith, Sasha and Malia Obama, Holly Berry, Stacey Dash, Viola Davis, Clint Black, Cicely Tyson, Alfonso Ribeiro, Nicki Minaj, Tracy Ellis Ross, Charlize Theron, Drake, Nia Long, Notorious B.I.G., Rihanna. Next time on Reparations, The Big Payback. In Judeo-Christian thinking, in the Old Testament, there was always reparations. You never just took from people. In fact, every 50th year, there was something called the season of Jubilee. And in that season of Jubilee, all slaves were to be free. All debts were to be canceled. All people were to be restored. And there was a thinking among the early Jewish rabbis and all that if it ever actually happened, that the kingdom of God would come in its fullness. In the New Testament, Jesus clearly taught that if you stole from somebody, you didn't just replace what you stole. You had to replace two, three, fourfold what you stole and then salvation. And so we have to understand the issue of reparation is a serious theological, moral, and constitutional issue. This podcast is produced by Erica Alexander, Ben Arnon, Whitney Dow. The executive producers are Charlemagne the God, Dolly S. Bishop. The supervising producer is Nicole Childers. And the lead producer is Devin Maverick Robbins. The producer writer is Cerise Castle. And the associate producer is Kevin Pham. This episode was written by Tony Perrier. With additional research support provided by Niall Blass. Original music by DJ DTP. Reparations, the Big Payback is a production of Color Farm Media, iHeartRadio, and the Black Effect Podcast Network in association with Best Case Studios. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 
From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. We went from normal life, healthy child, to acute lymphoblastic leukemia, or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Need an easy button to feed your baby? Baby Bretza's Formula Pro Advanced makes a perfectly mixed warm formula bottle automatically at the push of a button. No air bubbles, no fuss. Literally, choose your temp, select your ounces, push start, and you're done. Works with virtually all formulas and bottles. Say goodbye to the 3 a.m. feeding chaos and hello to this revolutionary stress-free solution. Raising a baby is hard enough. Let Baby Bretza make feeding a breeze. Get your Formula Pro Advanced at babybretza.com.